This is Dystopia and Catastrophe. I am Roman. Do check out the bonus material for this podcast, as well as some other things over on Podcasts with Roman at Patreon. Patreon, I have an account there at uh, Podcast with Roman. Subscription required, of course, but that's kind of the whole point. Support the podcast work and help me expand the podcast to deliver more material. Season 2, Season 3, and beyond, and so on and so forth. And uh, leave a review on the podcast here, um, if you can, on Apple Podcasts. That's where I check for the reviews. If you have any uh, comments, you can send those through Apple uh, Apple Reviews, or you can go over to Patreon and do that, too. Message, uh, message over on Patreon, that's fine. Still very early on in this podcast. I mean, you do season one of a podcast. I mean, unless it's like a celebrity podcast or something, it's always slow going. There are some folks listening to the podcast. It does get downloads, which I'm very grateful for. And uh, it's slowly building, and I appreciate you early adopters out there who are actually listening to this podcast early on before there's a huge audience here. Hopefully there is a huge audience at some point as we get into season two and three and beyond. I've actually already got seasons planned. Basically, I've got ideas written down all the way up through roughly season six to ten. It depends on what direction I go. There's either six seasons or ten seasons total planned thus far. And honestly, I just started doing this work, what was it, a couple months ago, so... Hopefully it should it should go for a good long time. So I, I hope to be continuing to deliver some some good content to you folks, and I hope you find it uh, worth your time, uh, the discussions that we have here. So let's get into it. Day 64, Chapter 10 of One Second After. In this chapter, we have the Battle of Black Mountain. And the way the battle is described, it really is one of the most vicious battles ever to take place on American soil since the Civil War. It's one heck of a battle, and a lot of people die. The, uh, the story in Chapter 10 really picks up well into the battle after it had started. It's actually towards the end of the battle. The strategy is actually very interesting here. They set a large fire to try to control the uh, direction and tempo of the battle. The people of North Mount- the Black Mountain do. And Colonel Matherson articulates a strategy that involves drawing the, uh, the animal posse in so as to trap them and afford the uh, the militia the opportunity to kill every single one of them, as opposed to just beating back an attack on the front line so that the enemy can regroup and come at it again. They didn't want these people to come at it again. They wanted them to, to be drawn in to be completely annihilated, which is probably the smart way to do it. You don't want um, the crazy cult leader guy to escape and go off and build up another cult and then attack them again three months down the line when these people are much weaker than they are right now. This is only day 63, or excuse me, 64. There's a lot of days left. There's a lot of time left. And this town can't be defending itself from attack after attack after attack. they got to get this over with and kill the enemy entirely. And that's exactly what they set about doing. And I do marvel here, you know, in the book, there is a reference that some of the quote-unquote citizens had produced quote-unquote illegal weapons to help defend the town. And I doubt anybody gave a crap. I don't think the police chief gave a crap. I don't think uh, John Matherson gave a crap. I don't think the mayor of the town gave a crap that the citizens came up with some illegal weapons to beat back the, uh, the animal posse. And isn't that interesting? All of a sudden, this concept of illegal weapons just goes right out the window when you need them to defend your town. Isn't that interesting? In other words, when reality sets in, instead of Disney World Fantasyland like we live in today, all of a sudden these these weird farcical concepts that we come up with about limitations on our Second Amendment and our right to defend ourselves, our towns, our state, our government, they set sail for the farthest reaches of the world and never to be seen or heard from again. 
and things get very practical really fast. And a lot of people get killed in this battle, but they actually managed to win the thing because they were prepared. They were prepared for it. That's key. You can't just sit back in Disney World Fantasyland mindset and hope that the wolf is going to pass by the door. Because oftentimes the wolf does not pass by the door. He kicks that sucker down, drags you out of the house, and beats you to death in the street. That's what the wolf will do. And to avoid that eventuality, you have to be prepared. And the people of Black Mountain were about as prepared as they could be under the circumstances, considering the cavalry was never going to show up. Little Lord Fauntleroy down there in Asheville was not going to show up. The folks operating off the aircraft carrier were never going to show up. They had to depend upon themselves and their community and their town to defend their state, their government, their town, their people, their property, etc. Life, liberty, and property. And it has to be defended. Sergeant Washington was killed, the, uh, one of the great leaders of the town. The, uh, the pilot of that plane, the guy who flew out of, I believe it was uh, what Charleston in the beginning, who warned them about what was going on. He was flying a reconnaissance. Uh, as best I recall in this chapter, and he got killed. The emergency manager of the town, Charlie, he's dead. The oldest daughter of Mr. Matherson, the, uh, the father of uh, her child, Ben, he's dead. They were, um, I mean, it's really a kind of a, a dark part of the story, really. They were uh, going to have a child and, you know, live, uh, you know, one would hope, you know, happily ever after as much as you can in this nightmare of a story and get, be married and all the rest of it, and uh, that's now never going to happen. All these lives affected by this event, not just the Battle of Black Mountain, but everything that's been happening for the past 64 days in the story. And it's hard to read some of these stories, especially in this chapter, which is a testament to Mr. Fortune's ability to describe what's going on here. You can, you can imagine this kind of thing playing out in real world, because, I mean, it has in times past. There have been communities, uh, lo you know, places that have fought with each other and many people being killed in combat and all the rest of it. And stories like this playing out throughout history. And it's very dark stuff. And Mr. Fortune's ability to describe the characters, the events, what's happening to them, the emotion around it, and like this relationship between Elizabeth and Ben and how that, how that transpires and what ends up happening. Difficult to read. Really is, but it's, um, it's important to read it so we understand how valuable what we have here in this country and honestly in the world it truly is. And many countries around the world, if you're listening to me international to the United States, this is the, you know, the case in Great Britain and Europe and elsewhere. And I imagine people in Ukraine going through stuff like this makes you realize how important freedom is and the sovereignty of a nation and its ability to have its uh, borders defended from outside attack. And while this battle is going on, you've got to imagine probably dozens of these battles going on all across the country or maybe even hundreds of these kinds of battles going on all over the country at this particular time. Maybe not that day, but that week or that month. And while that's happening, where are where's the leadership? They're hiding out on that aircraft carrier. Or they're hiding out in some bunker someplace. They're not on the ground out there. The cavalry never showed up. And that's the thing you got to realize in a, t in a situation like this, in a scenario like this. Oftentimes, cavalry just ain't going to show up. You better be ready. In the end of the day, you know, at the end of this battle, he ends up letting... They, they capture some of this posse. Just a few of them, and they end up letting eight of them go with a, a stern warning after they were, uh, in some cases, pleading for their lives. And I'm kind of curious, would you have let those people go? In this scenario, after the battle described here, and all that this posse did, 
And not just in this town, but every town they hit along the way, every person, every man, woman, and child they, they ran across along the way, would you have let those eight people go? John Matherson might see some value in that, that they might go out into the countryside and spread the word about what happened to the posse, that basically they're all that's left. And they were massacred in this town called Black Mountain by a guy named John Matherson and his militia. Maybe there's some value in that. Or maybe it was just that killing every last one of them was just a little bit too much for John Matherson. He wanted to be able to say that at least he uh, had mercy on just those few. I don't know, I'm somewhat conflicted about that. But let me know what you think. If you want to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and let me know what you think about that, or if you want to go over to Patreon, send a message through there, let me know. I'm actually legitimately curious about whether or not uh, what you think about him doing that. They end up hanging some of the people that were guilty of this, including the leader of the posse, the animal posse. He's the only one of them that they hanged that they left out there on display for all to see, and rightfully so, I think. I think there's value in that, setting an example. There's not a lot of good news to be had in this chapter, except just that they won the battle, but at that kind of a cost, it's, it's, not, it's not the kind of victory that you can have again. There's, there's not going to be a second victory if there was going to be a second attack, which there wasn't because, again, they basically exterminated the posse. But they won the battle, at least. They protected their town and what's left of the people in it. Towards the end of the chapter, John gets in the car. I believe it was the Edsel. And, of course, the radio in that car actually works. And we get to hear some, what little bit of good news there is again. That Australia sent some supplies. The AUKUS nations are at it again. Of course, back when this book was written, AUKUS was, an, was not a thing. That's a, that's a fairly recent thing. But I, I like to call it that. But that news really rings hollow in the uh, aftermath of a battle like this. That's not going to lift anybody's spirits at this time. Uh, which is why, in this scenario, when John hears that on the radio, he just flips the radio off. He doesn't listen to anything more. Because why would you? A lot more important things happen today than a few supplies arriving from Australia. Things that this town will not recover from. Not completely. So where does the town go from here? Honestly, there, there's not much they can do except just move forward to the best to the best of their ability. But they got um, more struggles ahead. It's not over yet. I mean, there, there is really no, in this kind of scenario, there is there really is no short-term big uplifting event that's just gonna make everybody feel better or make anybody feel like you know there's a light at the end of the tunnel really i mean in the in the short run it's just going to be one dark day after the next and it's going to be one misery after the next and it's it's at some point it's probably just going to set in you know like well this was the misery for today what's what's going to be the misery for tomorrow i mean imagine going through this scenario to this point and being John Matherson driving through town after the end of the battle to go back to his house. And as you're driving down the road in the Edsel, you're passing all these abandoned cars that have been sitting there forever because they won't run anymore. And on the back of one of those cars, you see a bumper sticker that says, Life is Good. One of those Life is Good bumper stickers. By the way, little known fact about me, one of my pet peeves in life is a Life is Good bumper sticker. Seeing one of those things. Oh my gosh, Roman, you're so cynical. You're such a downer. Why do you got to say stuff like that, Roman? I don't know. It's just, you know, it's always rubbed me wrong. Bumper stickers that say life is good. But can you imagine seeing one of those bumper stickers right after this scenario, after you fought a battle like that? What would go through your head after having borne witness to what you just saw and what you had to do? What kind of thoughts would echo through your mind as you're driving down the road, slowly going back to your house, and that vision shows up on the back of a car? That bumper sticker. Life is good. Or how about a coexist bumper sticker? How's that one? That's a little bit less uh, 
that's probably a little bit less uh, inferior, infuriating than Life is Good, a Life is Good bumper sticker, right? But just something to think of. These are the things that pop in my head while I'm reading the story. I don't know why. But as dark as that is, you know, that is, that is chapter 10 of our story. And as we get close to the end of the book, we're going to begin to experience the full length, width, and breadth of the catastrophe that is the one-second-after scenario of an EMP attack upon the United States of America, and frankly, the world. In this scenario, most of the world was freaking hit by this thing. It's really quite a striking scenario. So I hope you'll join me on the next episode of the podcast. Let me know what you think about this chapter. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or go over to Patreon, send a message through there. I'll try to bring that on the podcast and talk about it. Even after this season is over, I can do a Q&A episode in future seasons. I don't, I don't mind that at all. But on the next, uh, on the next uh, episode, we'll go into Chapter 11, of course. We will talk about that. And then we will begin to draw to a close our discussion of One Second After in the next few episodes. And I hope that you will join me on those episodes of this here podcast. And until then, this is Roman signing off. Thank you. Thank you.